Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you once again for joining us on Inside EMS. I am your host, Chris Sabolero, and this episode of Inside EMS is sponsored by ECHO. Core stethoscope technology by ECHO helps EMS providers make confidence, split-second decisions in the most challenging environments by enhancing stethoscope sounds. Learn more at echohealth.com. That's E-K-O-Health.com. And here's a man that helps me with split-second challenging decisions my good friend kelly grace and kg what's going on this week oh just the usual man um being confined to my chair <laughs> um not wheelchair thankfully uh but uh the the easy chair that that my life has shrunk to at my house it uh kind of being on disability sucks man but there's a there's light at the end of the tunnel. So, so the, for the people that don't know, we've kind of talked about it the past couple of weeks, but one of the things that we're going to do today is, you know, Kelly, we try to bring and talk about topics inside EMS that really affect the people who are doing the work. Right. And I yeah. think over the years, we've talked about a lot of different things and certainly mental health was one of those things that we've visited about. Mm-hmm. That is something that we need to be very, very cognizant of. And we need to be able to take a stand on that we can change, you know, our approach to how we deal with mental wellness with our workforce. One of the things that we've never talked about is what is it like to be on disability? We, we've been in this career field for so many years and we've seen so many of our friends get hurt on the job and then they're gone for a while and they're out on disability. But what is that really like for them? And what is really, you know, their mental health and their mental wellness in this process? And, you know, you and I have been talking about the shows and then we've been talking a little bit offline about how you're doing, Mm -hmm. what's going on and those types of things. But this may be a great show to kind of break down, Kelly, your situation. We want to know how you're doing. Of course, we're all fans of Kelly Grayson. But how is this disability thing working for you? What's the process and, and how do you go through it and what are you learning? And, but number two is maybe on the second part of this show, we're, we could talk a little bit about your, your mental health, your mental wellness, but maybe for the people that haven't heard about what you're going through over these past few weeks, maybe just give a little synopsis and bring us up to speed on uh, the injury that caused you now uh, to be out of uh, doing your job. Well, uh, the, the problem for me is uh, I, it's not really injury related other than, than, uh, I suppose when you, when you reach your fifties, you can injure yourself getting out of bed. You know, <laughs> the comedians talk about, you. you wake up and, and, uh, you, something doesn't work because you slept wrong. Um, I, I don't know what caused it and, and it certainly wasn't caused on the job. Uh, the only thing I could, uh, think of that that brought this about is uh, in late september um or excuse me in in mid-september i had a uh i took a camping trip uh i took the dog and i went up to buffalo river for uh, in northern arkansas for uh three or four days and we did two long canoe trips on the river i loaded my polar bear into the canoe and and uh, paddled canoe for 10 miles and enjoyed the scenery and, and just uh, enjoyed being bros for, for a couple of days. And, you know, paddling a canoe for, for 10 plus miles, two days in a row will, will uh, work your muscles out a little bit. But I, I didn't hurt my neck that I, I remember. 
But shortly after I got back, it was probably two weeks after I got back, I, I developed this, this pain in my left arm. And, you know, being a paramedic and the prudent people we are, uh, went immediately to uh, um, Medline and, and, and WebMD and up to date. And, and, and I diagnosed myself with biceps tendonitis and uh, texted my primary care doctor and, and told him, my symptoms and my diagnosis. He said, yeah, well, that, that sounds correct. Uh, uh, you know what to do for it. So I gobbled ibuprofen for, for the better part of two weeks and it, and it had no effect. So I came in to see him and he said, you have got a cervical radiculopathy. Uh, that's the $10 word for pinch nerve in your neck. Uh, let's try this medically, uh, treat it medically for a couple of weeks. And if that doesn't work, you know, I have to see a neurologist, neurosurgeon. So I took Flexeril and uh, I took Neurontin and I took uh, Vicodin for pain uh, for the better part of a month and my symptoms only got worse. What I was experiencing was this, this it started as just a tightness about a mid trapezius in my left arm or my left shoulder. And, and then it marched down my arm uh, until finally when it was at its worst, uh, the fingertips of my left hand, primarily my index finger and thumb, uh, and the palm of my left hand were numb. And the rest of my arm just burning on fire, this most god-awful excruciating pain you can imagine, and uh, couldn't make it stop. So uh, I tough, toughed it out uh, at work for several days and uh toward the end it's getting to where i couldn't sit in an ambulance seat uh posting without it aggravating the condition and uh, i couldn't tough it out and finally my partner said man just just call in dude to heck with being a good soldier call in and uh i did and uh wound up taking a couple of days off and long story short uh when i i uh, got an mri of my neck which was the next step uh and that was the most excruciating thing I've done in a long time because lying flat on my back for 18 to 25 minutes to, to MRI my neck, uh, was, was, uh, something I couldn't stand, uh, position wise, I haven't been able to lie down, uh, in any shape or form since, since mid September. So, uh, or, uh, mid, uh, uh, since early August, actually. I, uh, I got the MRI, and then a couple of weeks later, the the appointment with the neurosurgeon to discuss the results, and uh, he immediately hit me with the bomb that just floored me. Uh, he said, uh, "Man, you, this is not just pinching a nerve in your neck. This is this is uh, compressing your spinal cord." He said, "Your spinal reflexes are hyper. You're hyper reflexive, and all your spinal reflexes, and uh, you've lost significant uh, strength." in your left arm. So you got some, some pretty significant weakness there. Uh, and, um, we got, you got several choices. He said, I can give you uh, shots and, uh, they may relieve the symptoms, but they're not going to fix the problem. I can do a micro discectomy and a cervical fusion of C5 and six, and that will most likely fix the problem. Uh, and it'll mean that you can never work as a paramedic again. And that's just my, my, you know, jaw hit the floor. Uh, and, um, and then he threw me the lifeline. He said, but there is something else we do that's less common than a, uh, micro discectomy infusion. Uh, we can, we can replace the damaged 
disc. Uh, it's called cervical arthroplasty. We, we go in and we replace the damaged disc. Uh, instead of a three-month recovery time, you have a six-week recovery time, and we kick you loose with no restrictions. And I said, hey, I'll, I'll go for option C. And man, it's 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 been a ride. Uh, I can't uh, I I can't um, tell you how rough it's been, uh, but it's been interesting being on the other side of seeing what it's like to actually be on disability, unable to work, uh, unable to be a, a a paramedic, or hell, to even be a, a husband or or boyfriend um, to do things around the house. Man, uh, it's long winded, but uh, medically it sucks. Mental health wise, it sucks. Yeah, and I think that that's why we want to talk about it today because it is taking its toll on you. And you know, you mentioned—I mean, a little bit of sympathy here. Yeah. You mentioned the most god awful pain you've ever experienced, and and yeah. I was saying to myself, "Well, that's this story for me, right?" Yeah, this is the most <laughs> excruciating pain because I'm like, God, <laughs> gee, thanks. Yeah, I'm just trying to be—I just want to be real here. I mean, just because you're hurt, I don't want to take away from who we are as podcast hosts, but uh, yeah. But anyway, you know, uh, you know, and, it, and it's horrible, right? I mean, because we've yeah. seen, we've said it for how many years, Kelly, to our peers, you know, we're one stretcher lift away from ending our, yeah. our career. Now, yes, you are. can't pinpoint this down yeah. to a specific incident at work, but you think about the accumulative efforts of what mm -hmm. you've been doing throughout your career, and this really now comes down to the fact of it could be an injury that happened years ago that just mm -hmm. precipitated itself you know, day yep. after day, week after week, and so on and so forth. So, of course, from the standpoint, that, and as we do for everybody that we hear has to go through any challenge, you know, we give you a tip of the hat and we wish you well. I know that you're going to go in for surgery on mm -hmm. November 2nd, and we are yeah. still, ladies and gentlemen, we are still trying to work it out with the surgeon that we can do our podcast right from the <laughs> surgery suite and really kind of give you a play-by-play -play of what's going on with yeah, you. I'll, I'll live blog my surgery. You know, but Kelly, I want to ask you this question because you said something that was very, very interesting that I really kind of wondered. And you and I have talked about EMS for many, many years. We've been friends mm -hmm. for many, many years. And, uh, you know, we have our challenges when it comes to EMS. And, you know, there are people who get the news, you can never be a paramedic again. And it's funny to me, because there are a lot of people who wish they can get out of EMS, but when you hear you can never be a paramedic again, or you can never be an EMT again, or you're never going to, you know, take care of another, uh, you're never going to be on the street ever again. What was your thoughts about that? I mean, were you, was there any just semblance of relief to say, you know what, maybe I can go do something else now? Uh, no, there was, there was absolutely no relief in it. Man, I, I, I got to tell you, it's, uh, I wasn't ready to hear that. You know, I, I'm realistically, I'm 52 years old. Uh, I'm overweight. Uh, being overweight has never gotten away of me being a paramedic. Uh, I, can, I can do the job. Uh, I've passed every physical conditioning test uh, that uh, my employers over the years have thrown at me, uh, both cardiovascular conditioning and everything else. Uh, at whatever overweight stage I was at, uh, and I've never been unable to do the job and now unable to do the job, uh, because I can't pick up things with my left hand. Uh, my arm is weak enough that, I it's, I have a, a hard time picking up our, our first in ALS bag and, uh, you know, 52 years old, 
you, you starting to see the, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel and it's, it's a train, uh, it's a train coming. You realize that, that, uh, particularly working in system status management, that EMS is a young man's sport. And, uh, I'm, I am no longer a young man. Uh, I can, I can hang with the young bucks, but, but I can't be one of those guys anymore, but you're not prepared. Uh, sorry, I get a little emotional. Uh, you're not prepared when a physician tells you, uh, this is the end. You, you can't be what you defined yourself as for, for 28 years. Sure. And, uh, uh, I wasn't ready to hear that. Um, yeah. I, I knew that I was going to have to get out of EMS and, and get off a truck in, in the next two to three years, uh, and, and move on to the next phase of my career, either find a, a little sunset career, or small EMS service, uh, with, uh, potential, I'll be its ops manager and, and, and be the wise village elder kind of keeping my hand in things and running the show, but not really getting on the truck getting on it just often enough to show my guys that, uh, I can still do anything you can do, but, uh, wanted out on my terms and, and going out physically unable to, to do the tasks of the profession was not my terms. So that is brother, that's taken a huge blow on my, my mental health, because for me, the, the process of, of dealing with, or, or, uh, pulling myself out of depression has always been to get up and do the things that my depression is telling me I can't do, you know, and when, when you've got that little voice in your head that, you know, don't go out camping, uh, with your dog, don't go jet skiing, don't go shooting, uh, don't go out and do all the outdoor sports that, that bring you satisfaction because of whatever manufactured reason depression puts in your head. Well, now it's, it's not in my head anymore. I physically can't do those things. And, and I left that neurosurgeon's office, uh, hoping that, that maybe, you know, they would say, okay, you know, if you can deal with the pain, um, go work until it's time for your surgery. And they told me in no uncertain terms, uh, no, you were to do nothing more stressful than lie down in bed and get back up again. And, uh, uh, it's uh it's wrecked <laughs> i'm wrecked and, and because of that it really takes its toll on you but specifically i want to talk about you know being on disability yeah. you know there's probably tips that we can give people that have never experienced it that may you know eventually have to experience it uh, i do want to talk about mental health in this situation and how we can you know how we can kind of work with that as we give yeah. some tips to our listeners but before that let's go ahead and take a few minutes and talk about uh, echo stethoscopes kelly Core stethoscope technology by Echo with active noise cancellation and up to 40 times amplification helps EMS providers assess those hard-to-hear heart, lung, and other body sounds in even the loudest situations. I've used the Echo Core. I love the Echo Core. It has transformed the way I conduct my physical assessment and has opened up entirely new avenues of, of information for me that my ears couldn't do on their own. Learn more at echohealth.com. That's E K O health.com and use the code EMS one for $20 off. You know, so we were kind of talking about your disability and, and what yeah. that's been like for you. And we wanted to be able to share this story, uh, yeah. not to kind of spotlight you, but just to kind of spotlight, you know, what happens inside EMS 
when people get hurt and they've got to be able to go through this process. And yeah. I don't know that these are things that we consider as EMS leaders. I don't know that these are things that we consider as EMS partners, but, you know, I, I give you a, a round of applause for chatting about it and, and sharing your emotion with us on something like this. But what do you think, Kelly, is the number one thing that you've learned about being on disability that as a partner, as an employee, you had no idea existed? Uh, the the financial uh, aspect of it has been has been a, a bit of a shock to me. Um, Simply, and and it's it's made worse by the fact that it's not not an on the job injury. Uh, if this were an on the job injury, you know, workers' comp uh, claims can kick in and, and help you somewhat financially. And and uh, I've always been a a pretty healthy person. I've never, uh, despite my my weight being the obvious issue, I've never suffered from from any type of. Uh, of long-term health issue other than, than mild hypertension in the, in the last two or three years. Uh, so I had never thought about um, short-term disability insurance and AFLAC and that sort of thing. And uh, never thought about, I mean, you know, if I go out, uh, uh, I'm going to need long-term disability to heck with the short-term disability stuff. And uh, so when it came time for insurance enrollment, I, I just kind of eschewed all those things and said, look, I'm going to just take a major medical, high deductible major medical policy and uh, leave it at that. I'm pretty healthy. I'll, I'll roll the dice and gamble. And uh, I rolled the dice and gambled and lost. The, the problem with having this be a non-work injury type of thing uh, takes the workers' comp out of the, the uh, equation. And now it's entirely on you. And what I didn't realize is that when you claim, when, when you have an injury that keeps you from working for an extended period of time, you can file for FMLA, uh, Family Medical Leave uh, Absence, uh, and that will, will allow you 30 to 90 days or longer um, off work. Actually, it's up to a year. And um, the thing is, though, you still have to pay your insurance premiums. Uh, or your your contribution to your insurance premiums while you're gone, and um, for some uh, for some places that's that's going to be a pretty onerous task. It, uh, the the employees' contribution to their insurance premiums is significant. At my employer, it is not, and that's a really good thing. I've been appreciative of that. Uh, I pay you know a couple hundred dollars a month in insurance premiums that uh in in other places would would cost uh quite quite a bit more uh for worse benefits so the way the process works is is uh, first you have to use up all of your accrued uh sick time and vacation time before the fml before the uh, short-term benefits uh, short-term or long-term disability kick in you have to use those uh use those up and then 30 days after your, um, your benefits uh, have ceased, uh, your, your sick leave and your vacation time has ceased, uh, 30 days after that, the short-term disability kicks in, uh, or 90 days if it's long-term disability insurance. So you're, you, you're missing an a income for a month or three months after that. And I... I I, uh, with, with the recovery time after the surgery, uh, you know, you have a significant amount of, uh, physical therapy and recovery to go through 
before you're cleared to go back to work on an ambulance. And it wasn't appreciative of that. Uh, what I, what it has been a benefit is, is, you know, I, I don't just work on an ambulance. Uh, I, I got side hustles like most of us do. Uh, and, and my teaching and teaching and writing has been a big part of that. And I'm, uh, I'm you know, I'm ramping that up and, and doing a lot more of that to make up the shortfall. Uh, but it's no wonder that that people find this, this kind of thing to be uh, uh, disastrous, even when they have benefits. Uh, I never appreciated that. My partner uh, was out for almost a year with a so shoulder injury a couple of, uh, a couple of years back. Uh, and he got his off, the, uh, off work, uh, uh, putting a hydraulic fitting on his tractor and just blew out his shoulder and had to have it reconstructed and was out for uh, close to 10 months. And, uh, left him pretty financially unstable, uh, not, not a, a situation you want to find yourself in, uh, with all your savings depleted as a, a 50 year old man. Uh, but never, never really thought just how rough it was on Doug, but, uh, it had to be, and it's cause it's, it's being a, a bit of a chore for me, uh, with one third the time out that he has, but that's, that's the, the tough part about it, man. It's sure. just, you know, go with that. So let's talk about this. You know, you, you and I have been, I mean, you've been very candid on your, on this show that you are a very, very, you have a great personality, you know, you're outgoing, you know, you have, uh, you have a great sense of humor, um, but you, you have been honest. You know, that's what they say about the ugly dates. You know, you love, you love him. You love her. She's got a great that's sense right. of humor. He's got a great sense of humor. But, um, <laughs> You know, you have struggled with depression, you've mentioned in yeah. your life. And yeah, I, yeah. I can't imagine that this has been something that has been positive for that. So compounding medical challenges, yeah. compounding financial challenges, you know, compounding uh, um, having to be reliant on, you know, sleeping, sitting up. And, uh, you know, how is that mental health thing? You know, how does that play into this? It's, uh, it exacerbates it. No question about it. You know, uh, I'm, I'm one of those old, old fogies that, you know, uh, I still have my, my, my defined gender roles in relationships where, you know, the man is the provider and the strong one and, and the women, uh, is the woman is the nurturer. And, and to some extent, uh, that's, uh, those, those roles still come into play with, with Nancy and I, you know, I feel bad if I can't provide for my loved ones. And, uh, the fact that, that, uh, our income right now is, is her teaching, um, <laughs> and, and that sort of thing. And, and I can't supplement our income in any way. I can't do anything other than, than, uh, turn up the, open up the spigot on my, my writing and have plenty of opportunities for, for income via my writing. But, Writing is hard when you're depressed, dude. It's really hard. There's, there is no creative flow. Uh, there's no creative spark when you're depressed. But I think and, those, are, uh, those, those could be the topics of those articles, though, right? Because exactly what yeah. we're doing, Kelly, is we're talking about something that's very, very personal to you. Yeah. But it's nothing that we've known before, right? I mean, you and I try yeah. to come up with topics that would, would resonate with the EMS providers and the EMS leaders that are out there in our field but we've never talked about what's what it's like to be on disability. Here's here's exactly. another thing that I want to ask you 
And uh, really, I, I want you to, you know, really pay attention to is uh, you've been going through this for a while and, and you and mm-hmm. I, get on, you know, you since, and I since <laughs> July. Yeah. You and I talk, um, you know, a couple times a week as we prepare for the show. And then certainly we spend time, um, you know, recording the show. But uh, one of the things that I've always uh, over this time of you being hurt is and you are taking a lot of narcotics and you are taking a lot of flexible oh you were taking yeah. and sometimes as we're talking i could just hear you drooling and peeing on yourself as we're <laughs> oh, you know, as we're trying to, bad. well as we're trying to get through this i mean and you know as well as i do how how prominent addiction could be mm-hmm. with opioids and you know certainly we're no one that wants to find ourselves on the other side of that but uh, to keep yourself um, pain free, uh, you know, you've been, uh, you know, you've been partaking in the medications that are needed to keep it pain free. Mm-hmm. Do you have yeah. fear about that? Do you think about that? Is it something that you're like, well, I don't care. I just need to be able to swallow these things so I don't feel this. I mean, th- and then and then there has to be some understanding of how people can become addicted to these drugs. Oh, yeah. But one of the things that I want us to be very, very cognizant of and and the people who are out there that uh, respect of you want to be cognizant of is, but we don't want you to be dependent that this gets into a bigger problem either. I mean, does that give you any concern yeah. or worry? Uh. Yeah, uh, something I'm petrified of, quite frankly. I, I, you know, you run the kind of calls we do and, and, and see the kind of patients we do. And you see some that are, that are, you are quite frankly malingering and you, you know it. And anybody who's done EMS for any period of time can spot a malingerer, uh, who's, who's milking an issue. And then you run those guys that legitimately you feel for them because their life is, is hell. Uh, and on the ambulance, I've got the candy, you know, <laughs> I know that that guy with chronic back pain who takes Vicodin or Tramadol and, uh, or Norco multiple times a day and has been for the last five years, uh, when he has breakthrough pain, he's hurting. He's really, really hurting. Uh, or when he runs out of his, his narcotics, uh, and he's, he's hurting, but it's withdrawal. Um, I feel for those guys and I have some way to, to alleviate that pain. Uh, and I'm pretty liberal with that, but I've always, you know, lived in fear. So please God, don't let me be one of those people that has to take narcotics to get through the day. And now I'm one of those people that has to take narcotics to get through the day. Uh, I, I, I am grateful that I do not have an addictive personality. Uh, you know, an addiction is, 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 it's, it is a disease and there are people who are more prone to it. Uh, and it's not just a, a self-control and willpower issue. Uh, and, um, I'm, I'm lucky in that I'm, I'm not uh, prone to that sort of thing. So I, I take my Vicodin when I have breakthrough pain. Uh, the, the problem from a physical standpoint is, uh, you can't get those damn prescriptions refilled quick enough. You know, uh, my doctor was, was, and, and he'll, he, he trusts me implicitly and we have a good relationship. He's a medical director for all my classes, but, uh, I can't get more than a 30 day supply of, of, uh, Vicodin. And if I take it PRN, uh, according to directions, I'm going to run out of my 28 pills 
uh, or 30 pills uh, in shorter than 30 days. And then you got to jump through some hoops uh, about him prescribing more pain medication and your insurance paying for more pain medication uh, and that sort of thing. And uh, uh, there hasn't been a, a month yet that I have not run out of uh, the, the pain medication before, uh, uh, it was time to renew my prescription. And, uh, those have been some s- significant hurdles to jump through. I, I don't find myself and I, and I sincerely don't believe that I'm, I'm psychologically dependent on them. And I don't think that I'm, I'm becoming, uh, physically dependent on them. They don't really have an effect on me. I'm not the kind of guy that'll take, uh, take pills to, uh, to induce a, a good mood or a euphoria. Um, they just knock the pain down to a manageable level. Uh, and, and they do that. I, I did discover the hard way, uh, the, some of the, the side effects of, of taking these pills regularly. Let's just say that stool softeners are your friend and leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm sure, you know, we, and we see that a lot, but one of the things that I think this does for us is it gives us an opportunity to understand the person who's yeah. on the other side of the chronic pain. And, and it gives you that opportunity. Yeah. I've suffered back injuries as being a paramedic and uh, you know, you, you'd never think that it's going to happen to you kind of thing, but really it could happen to you at any time. So yeah. we all, we, we all wish you to, we all wish you well, we yeah. all wish you the best and certainly we'll keep up on this. And, you know, this is very, very personal, right. And, and, yeah. we, and I think we all appreciate you sharing this story for the purposes of our education and understanding of the people that uh, we may not give a second thought to when they go out on disability. So cheers to you. But so why don't you go ahead and just uh, give everybody a final thought as far as if, if you were going to give them some tips or if you were going to give them uh, a piece of advice for if they ever find themselves in this situation, or maybe just it's under, maybe it's just an understanding of the people that are in this situation, but but what do you leave them with? And uh, let's go ahead and end this show. You know, when, when you're when you're physically disabled and and you already suffer from from mental illness and uh, depression, it's important to know that uh, you matter and and you are valued. And that is one thing that that my employer has been stellar about. And uh, and something uh, to take away for other EMS leaders and supervisors. Uh, uh, and, and field personnel, just to know that, that um, uh, choose a place that values you and that you are more than a cog in the machine. Uh, my employer, like every other EMS agency out there, is, is hurting for personnel. They are the, the, the unfilled shifts are something that our supervisors have to scramble with uh, 24-7, 365. And even though that is the case, and they desperately need meat in the seats, not a single one, not a single one has pressured me about how quickly I can come back. Or before I was told that I, I can't work on the ambulance, uh, hey, man, can you cover your shift? Or, or when you had to call in the, the night before because uh, you weren't going to be uh, worth anything the next day, never once have they been able to or have they, have they tried to pressure me or made me feel like uh, uh, I should come back uh, quicker than I should. In fact, uh, just the opposite. I've... I've been willing to say, yeah, I think I can soldier through a, a shift. And they said, uh, screw that. Take care of yourself. We'll figure it out. It's just one more shift to cover. No big deal. And uh, at my agency, there's not really anything to do for, for light work uh, when you're on, when you're on uh, limited uh, 
limited duty or uh, light duty. Uh, there's no light duty for me to do around the job, uh, around the office at Acadian Ambulance. Uh, but they are making do. <laughs> there, there are things that they're, you know, uh, hey, let's figure out what we can do to, to get you some income and, and get you, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, something to, to help you tide us over. So uh, things that I normally would not be asked to do that, that some of our, our uh, leadership staff normally handle by themselves. Uh, suddenly they got a partner, uh, Kelly's helping them out with these things and the teaching and that sort of thing. And, and EMS leaders, let me tell you, that goes way, way, way beyond the paycheck that comes with it. Uh, that tells an employee that they are valued and that, uh, that, that you matter at that company. And uh, can't can't tell you how how beneficial that is to to my mood and my mental health. So that's what I think. We'd like to hear what you think, guys. How tough is it if you've been if you've been disabled and and unable to work? What were the burdens for you? How did it work on your family life? How did it work on your financial situation? Share your thoughts and your feelings about it. Share your stories at the show at ems1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Sebolero whose only disability is his devastatingly good looks. Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week. <laughs>